Blog Talk Radio. Thank y'all. Welcome. This is actually like the first year, the first show of 2020. So, y'all, we're back. Um, had to fall back for a little bit. Um, you know, this little COVID thing kind of got me. Not that I had COVID, but the whole mental thing, man, it had me kind of shut down all the negativity. So, but hey, your boy's back. I made it. Grace of God. So, you're in the barber zone with your man Chavez moment. And y'all, while I was gone, now, I, I was a little productive, so um, now you can find In the Barber Zone on all your favorite podcast platforms. That's right, you know, iTunes, Apple Music, Pandora, um, what is it, SoundCloud, TuneIn, the Google Podcast. Just, you know, just tell Alexa, just, hey, Alexa, play In the Barber Zone podcast or just search it and it'll come up you can hear all your favorite episodes so yeah i was productive so now you can hear in the barber zone anytime you want to right from your mobile device computer whatever so we're making progress i'm just trying to get it um you know to all the people's ears that i can so but hold on this is funny i got my little uh my little echo thing and it's trying to work because i said the word uh alexa but all right, y'all, we're here, and it feels great to be back. We got a lot to talk about, but I wanted to come back with some, you know, something that was relevant to this month, with it, which is Black History Month. So I wanted to come something with a theme that had to do with Black history, you know, education, our community. So tonight we will be talking. Excuse me. We'll be talking about an inequity in higher education. All right, some of y'all don't know what that means, but I'll have the sister explain it to you. But we're talking about, you know, higher education, the things that are not in balance, the, the things that are not equal in higher education for one particular group of students in comparison to another group of students. So, but I'll have um, the sister explain that to you guys. Um, I'm honored to have the sister Royce uh, Carpenter and she's with Columbus State Community College. And she also has some other endeavors that she um, is into, but we'll be focusing on, no, I'll give her a chance to talk about her other endeavors, but we'll be focusing on 
the inequities in higher learning. And, well, you know, I've, I kind of, I'm kind of part of that with, you know, my daughter and the school she went to and how she's now part of being an educator on and, and, and in regards to athletics. So, um, you know, we kind of deal with that a little bit because, you know, there there is an uh, uneven playing field when it comes to white athletes and compared to black and minority athletes. So, that's one area that, you know, we get to talk about, but we're talking about the inequities in the whole system. So um, I'm glad you're joining us. You're in the Barber Zone with your man, Chavez moment. The number to call in, if you want to listen on your phone or mobile device, whatever, the number is 914-205-5374. You can, you can check us out on Facebook, check us out on Instagram, uh, but also go to blogtalkradio.com slash barbazone or just simply barbazoneradio.com and become a friend of the show so you get all the alerts, you know, when um, shows are coming up or whatever it may be. So without further ado, we're going to get into um, the show, and hopefully we'll have some individuals call. And after that, we'll get into some questions and see. Um, let's talk about this thing Um that's going on in our colleges. So without a further ado, I'd like to welcome the sister. Well, you know what? Hold on. I don't go into that. But, y'all, I got to tell you about something else. I forgot. Um, Barber Zone is going mobile. If you didn't know, we're going mobile. I'm in the process of doing a mobile barbershop where I'll be able to go out and reach community that is – um, that's not getting out because of the COVID situation. So I'll be able to be more flexible and more visible and be able to service the community a little bit. So look into, you know, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be, or um, I'll be de- de- developing the Facebook page and the Instagram page. I'm, I'm you know, I was kind of held back by COVID because, um, individuals that are going to be doing the remodeling couldn't get me in, but um, got the word that we'll be back to the remodeling process in March. So be looking for it in April, but I'll tell you more about that. But I just had to get that. That thought just came in my head before I went to introduce the sister. But all right, back on track. You're in the Barber Zone with your man Chavez moment right here. BlogTalkRadio.com, BarberZoneRadio.com, or find us on all your pos- on all your podcast platforms. The number is 914-205-5374. And we're talking about the inequity in higher education. And without further ado, I'm going to bring on our guest for the night, the sister Royce Carpenter. Good evening, good sister. Can you hear me? I can. Good evening, Chavez. Good evening. Yes. Welcome to the Barber Zone. So thank you for taking your time out. I know you got a busy schedule, but um, I appreciate you and hopefully some things that, that we'll discuss to be able to bless some people and um, help them out. So um, first of all, I'll uh, tell the people who you are, what you do uh, professionally as far as Columbus State and also your other business in, uh, endeavor. Give you a little moment to uh, pub your business a little bit. Well, I am Royce Carpenter, 
I am assistant professor at Columbus State, and I am also the diversity, equity, inclusion faculty fellow and um, uh, program coordinator for the Interpreting American Sign Language Interpreting Education Program. So lot, lots going on at Columbus State. And uh, me and my husband happen to have a, a restaurant as well. So busy, busy, busy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Yes. So we're here to talk about higher education today. So yes, yes ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So how long have you been in higher education? So let's you know give people some of your background so they know when you get on here and give this information that you kind of know what you're talking about a little bit. <laughs> well, I actually have been at Columbus State for 21 years. I've been teaching for 16 of those 21. Before that, I was a, uh, an interpreter. Um, I'm still an interpreter, but I was an interpreter primarily for those first few years before I started teaching. So I've been I've been there for for a little time there, a little time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Now we go. We're going to get into right into our topic for the day. First, we're talking about racial inequity. And higher learning. First of all, can you let us know what is racial inequity? Well, inequity in, in any sense is is power imbalance, imbalance in power, imbalance in, in equity. Um, excuse me, in economics opportunities, it's just an imbalance. And so, when it comes to racial inequity. It's usually manifest here in the United States because racial inequities in other countries, it's not always exactly manifest the same way. Obviously, for okay. us here in the United the inequity is from the predominant group, uh, white American, compared to not only African American, blacks, but um, other minoritized, uh, marginalized populations as well. So it's just saying that the, the power the the wealth, the um, resources is not equitable in our country. And so that, you know, started 400 years ago, over 400 years ago, right? It started not just with slaves being uh, brought to the America that we know today, but it was, it started with the taking of the land of indigenous people. Okay. Yeah. Now, how, now, how does that relate to higher and secondary education? Well, it relates way back in during the colonial times, actually back in the 1800s when um, higher education was really growing um, in the United States. Higher education started earlier than that, but at the mm-hmm. beginning of higher education, the only people who could be educated were wealthy white men. So we're not even talking about at the very beginning, women couldn't um, be educated and lower socioeconomic white people couldn't be educated either. At the very beginning, it was just wealthy white men. So that in in the fabric of education is built in inequity, right? So that's economic inequity. Um, It's economic gender inequity and definitely racial inequity. Yes, because yeah, we do know that that was one of the the, the mechanisms they used to keep us uh, in bondage and keep us controlled by not allowing slaves to read and become 
educated. And that that's funny because um the the show was on last night talking about the black church and, and that was one mm-hmm. of the things they were talking about was, you know, in the black community the slave masters didn't want us to have any type of education. They didn't want us to have a Bible so we could read and, and, and praise and all that. So this fits right in with that. So yeah, back then it was keep them dumb and we can keep them controlled. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it, it also, it, it helps to reinforce racial hierarchies, right? Certain groups are, yes. are you know, better than with my little air quotes, other groups because <laughs> of education, which we know that's not true, but that's a, yeah. a way to propagate and propagandize those ideas that was, um, you know, those those vestiges of slavery and in, in the things that happened with um, education and racial hierarchy. We can still see those vestiges of those things today in education, and we can see it mostly in K through 12, which are theaters, right, to higher education. So yeah. when during that Reconstruction period in the United States, when schools were segregated, that really set the stage for what's happening today. Even though we are, quote, unquote, after the segregated period, we are really a very segregated country, especially in K through K through 12. And so that economic inequality we talked about at the very beginning, that, that yeah. our school system, right, in the districting, and there a lot of black and brown schools, um, uh, schools that that cater to black and brown students don't have enough um, money to have books for our students to take home. So if you don't have have you can have the books in class, but you don't have them to take home and study, it puts you in an un, unfair um, disadvantage right there, right? So even though yeah. we had Brown versus Board of Education in 1954. It still has not really desegregated the the American education system, and so the inequities we need to fight. That's why people need to talk to their legislators and and talk about the the districting and how things are are lined up, because it's lined up to keep those racial hierarchies in place, and we have to tear those down. Yes, yes, because we see that now and. Just here in the Columbus area, um, in, mm-hmm. in the school systems, and we talked about that a little bit. The, the school systems just here in Columbus, whether it uh, be Columbus Public Schools or we have the Hilliard Schools, what Southwest, Dublin, Westerville, all of those that are uh, what the Groveport area, all those have different. You go to each school system, and they're different. Mhm. Yeah. Their their resources yeah. are different. Their 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 the quality of their teachers, the 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 education, the the material that they're that they're uh, teaching the the students is totally different. And the only difference, whether you have one type of education versus another type of education, is your zip code, or it may be even just two streets. If you live two streets over from an individual you get a totally different education and that shouldn't be in this day and time that we have with, um, you know, um, so, uh, social media and, and instant information like Googling and things like that, um, where we have some school systems where 
the the children have laptops and tablets and everything, but then you have a, a school system where you have a lot of students that don't even have internet to have accessibility to the information. So that right there, we have to find a way to even that that playing field right there. So. Yeah, it's very economic, and you could do a whole another which. I would have you have a different person, but we could do a whole conversation on redlining and, and how oh, our, yes. our neighborhoods are set up, and which trickles right to our education. One thing that really happened when um, things were desegregated, because um, black children had, and, and other um, ethnicities, but black children had really good schools and, and um teachers that looked like them and cared for them. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. they didn't have the same finances, but one thing that segregation did was it did kind of a forced assimilation. And what the, and I'm not saying segregation should come back up. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, I'm talking about the financing. But what it did yeah. also is sometimes when it sent our children to different areas, you know, bus and different things, and they were isolated. It was less um, people who look like them, no educators that look like them. Then you also it's that sense of self, do I belong? And because of the history of racial oppression, that sometimes, oftentimes, a lot of those teachers back when it first started kept telling kids, "Oh, you're not good enough. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. you, you don't, you don't speak the same way, or, or your writing is not right. It's not following these white writers." And so some of that really did a mental thing for, for children. And sometimes, I mean, I still hear students, I, I teach at a college, right, and I speak to students yeah. all over the country in different colleges and educators, and some of that is still in play, that mental um, oppression, that mental oppression that happens from some of that. So segregation and desegregation had a, a lot of lasting um, impact, uh, good and bad, good and bad. And so we really think about it going back to the first colleges that were um, established. You're talking about Harvard and William and Mary and Yale, Princeton, all those schools that um, that are revered they were built on the backs of slaves and not just African yeah. slaves, but Indian, indigenous uh, people that were put in bondage after their country was taken. You know, I mean, it's just mind-boggling when you think about it and, and the things, um, education is so important, but how it is so inequitable in a lot of ways. Um, I think... Um, we have improved, right, and it's getting better. Yep. And after the unfortunate murder of Mr. Floyd, uh, a lot of institutions, including Columbus State, are doing doing some things that we should have been doing um, a while a long ago. Time ago. Yes, we ma'am. are going to take. We are going to honor Mr. Floyd's uh, life by making sure we're we're doing some things with this momentum that we have, with this <clears> moment <throat> that we have. It's time to do. Um, some additional work, and we're we're doing that by standing on the shoulders of those people at our institutions now and before mm-hmm. that have been doing work as much as they can, and sometimes they're tired. So it's 
it's time for those of us who are um, ready to keep keep fighting to do that and and try to bring as many people along with this as possible. And that doesn't mean we, mm. we should not partner with our white colleagues because we cannot do this work alone. And a lot of times, no. a lot of institutions put the work on people of color um, and we get burned out. So we need to, it needs to have everybody being included and involved with the work of making sure all students of all races, ethnicities, creeds, colors, economic statuses, um, all of them get the, get the education they need and deserve. Yes, yes, and that's what it is because it doesn't matter your skin color. It, all people educate, can be educated, and all people should be educated and not be turned away or your education diminished because of your skin color or your your racial background or your social economic situation um that that should never be a factor but unfortunately it is and it's like we, when we talked the other day it was talking about um specifically my daughter Sydney and some of the opportunities that um she's been afforded because of the school that she went to. And um, I'm here in Columbus, Ohio, and my daughter graduated from Columbus School for Girls, which is a private school, which is predominantly white. Um, I think it may have been five, maybe seven um, women of color that graduated in our class was predominantly white. And, um, so some of the experiences and some of the some of the the challenges she had, you know, going to school there, but she overcame and she actually excelled because where there were some some areas that were lacking for African American and uh, young ladies of color, they stepped in and created a you know, Black Girls Rock Social Club, and I may be using the wrong name, but that's basically what it was, like a, a Black Girls Social Club and <clears throat> the um, Black Girls Debate Team and things like that where she was able to get her name on the wall from her efforts at school. And from that, she was able to um, have some other opportunities in education, you know, where she got her master's from Cincinnati and she now works in education for um, student athletes at the university of Washington. But her, her going to Columbus for school for girls opened some options up for that. She wouldn't been able to get into if she went to Columbus public schools, which, um, you know, that was part of us setting her up to be able to take advantage of that, but it shouldn't be where you have to go to an institution like that because the the city school program isn't adequate enough to get you to that same level. Not saying that you can't reach that level individually, but talking as a whole for the whole school district, that's, you know, right where we're talking about, the, the, the inequities, the things that are not fair in education, but I was able to see that from some things where she was exposed to, where the individuals that were in her same grade weren't exposed to those same things. So, and yeah, yeah. But there's, you so, know, there's yeah. there's um, plenty of opportunity for 
students that go to Columbus um, public schools or, or other public schools when they get to, yes. to college. And, yes. But they need to have representation. And so representation sometimes means in the faculty ranks, and we are definitely need to, mm-hmm. to do more work there because that's one one major place that it's lacking. But even white colleagues, my white colleagues and um, faculty members, they can do things. They can diversify the curriculum. They can make sure that yes. the authors that they that they um, are portraying in class or bringing to the have students read are diversified. Right, making sure there's. African American, Black, um, Asian Pacific Islanders, Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern writers, right? And a lot of yes. times I get the question, well, this is math or, or science. I don't know how I'm going to kind of make sure that I'm diversifying a math class. And I, I always say well, there's, there's always ways to do it because there are scientists and mathematicians that were not all white. So even bringing mm-hmm. up things saying, do you know who made this theory or this formula, this person, and and you can bring out um, education of diversity in many different ways. And so those students that may not have had the opportunity that your daughter had at a school um, that was wealthier and had more items, they still can be successful in college by having curriculum diversified and by somebody acting like they want them there, right? Relationships are key to success. And so this is my call to call out to any other educators to make sure that you are making your students feel welcome. Uh, A welcome environment is, is a place for growth. Potential for growth is endless when somebody feels that they belong, they can connect, they see themselves either in the faculty or in the curriculum someplace, they maybe get, get involved with an affinity group that might be a, a black student union or um, mm-hmm. you know, a different affinity group. So there is ways, I, I definitely want to make sure that we don't write any student off because of the portable opportunities or lack of that they had in their K-12 that they can't. Yes. But it may be... Um, incumbent upon all of us in higher education to make sure that we're doing our part in a little extra, right, and making sure we're, if we yes. see somebody who's not doing so well, maybe finding out why. They may have a lot more responsibilities at home than somebody who is in a higher economic status. So um, never give up mm-hmm. on anybody. That's, my, that's yes. what I feel. And, 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 and that goes right into the whole theme that we've been going to is your mental health. Um, a lot of this, like you said, you look at, you look at students and um, he may not be doing as well and you see potential winning. You always see that spark in the eye, but then their actions and what they do in class don't reflect, you know, their potential. That's where we have to find mm-hmm. out what's going on in the background somehow, some way. We know we can't reach every individual student, but you got to be able to find out and be able to pour into your students more. And that's like when when Sydney went to Columbus School for Girls. It's not that, um, you know, we told her just, just go for the first year, you know, because we know it was a totally different environment. It's an all-girls school, predominantly white, whole different 
um, economic background because Sydney received a academic scholarship to attend Columbus School for Girls. In the third grade, her teacher, like we're talking about, her teacher saw something in her. And whatever she did, she, Sydney, uh, we had to apply for it, and she took the test, and she got in, and she got a scholarship to go to the school. So when she was going, you know, me, I'm like, ah, no, we're not sending you over there because of the things that you hear about, you know, Columbus School for Girls that are different and all them type of things, the socioeconomical and the racism and all that stuff. So, you know, we ultimately came to the decision that, this is an op- excellent opportunity for her, so, but we're not going to force it on her. So go for a year and see if you like it. So she got there, and it fit right into what she was doing. And from there, you know, where they saw that things weren't equal, they stepped in and they tried to make them more equal and more comfortable for the young ladies that were coming after them. So that's that's just what we have to do when we see areas that are deficient we have to see if we can make a positive change for the individuals that are coming from behind us because about the efforts and the struggles that the people did that were before us so it's all about you know helping making change if that's that's what this is Mm -hmm. making it better for the others because so many have sacrificed for us to be in this situation that we are right now. So, um, but if you hold on one second, you're in the Barber Zone with your man Chavez moment right here on Block Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com slash barberzone, or find us at barberzoneradio.com. And now you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. So just hit it and search in the Barber Zone, and you can join right here with your man Chavez. So we're talking about inequity and higher learning with the good sister Royce Spender from Columbus State Community College. Um, the number, if you want to call in, if you would like to uh, share your experience, if you're an educator, you want to share your experience or tap in, add some information to what we're talking about. The number is 914-205-5374. And when you get here, you just simply press 1, and it'll let me know that you would like to um, – share your opinion or add to the topic here tonight. So, um, Sister Carpenter, now at Columbus State, um, we know that we have those um, those things that aren't fair, that are, are, aren't going right. And, you know, we had the whole uh, Brother Floyd situation and we had the rioting and everything going uh, on downtown and in the areas around Columbus State. Um, we see you guys were able to remove remove uh, Christopher Columbus, the statue, from the campus, which is a great uh, achievement, being able to remove those images that for so long have been praised, but for so long did so much negativity to people of color. And, you know, it was time for a change in that. But what are some of the other steps or things that Columbus State is looking to do to help um, even the playing field or make a student feel more welcome and comfortable when they come onto the campus? Good question. So after um, 
the murder of Mr. Floyd, we started having a series of forums. So um, me and a, a few of us set up some forums that were college-wide for students, faculty, staff, administrators, and we started having conversations. Because oftentimes, not just at Columbus State, but in higher education period, these tough conversations are not had um, because mm-hmm. really the dominant culture is they're uncomfortable to have these conversations. And yes. one of the, the pandemic has been really devastating in many, many ways, right? But one way that it has helped is help people to sit and see these things that are horrific and they have to sit and, and see them. You know, oftentimes people could ignore things like um, George Floyd's murder. You couldn't ignore it during mm-hmm. the pandemic, right? You're, you have to sit. So with that being said, when we had these forums, people were, first of all, people of color, black people in particular, African Americans, were just tired, right? You can see that through the wire. Mm-hmm. Tired, being tired, yes. tired of the experiences. So that allowed when we had these forums to people for people to actually speak out and speak their truth um, and speak their experiences outside of Columbus State and inside of Columbus State. And so uh, I think what it allowed for our administrators and our colleagues to hear these things from the people, the, the students that they serve, from their, their colleagues, and it has been. It has made a change for us. It has allowed our, our president um, has really gotten on board and said, "Yes, we're, we're, let's let's do this." And so we've made some changes. Our union um, just did some things, and we set up where anytime somebody is going to be on a hiring committee, they have to go through implicit bias training. These are trainings we, we've never had before that were required for our entire um, faculty as far as hiring. Um, they're doing some trainings in HR for, for different parts of the college. Um, on our in-service day that's coming up, we are having a college-wide conversation um, on rates and, and inequity in higher education. And we have a, a we bought a book, a book called Cast by Isabel Wilkerson that we're handing out. Um, we're talking about making sure we're diversifying the curriculum and we're having some trainings that faculty can go to and help if they don't know how, they can come mm-hmm. to our trainings and we can help them figure out how to diversify the curriculum. So students feel welcome. So they see themselves in the curriculum, so they see um, others that, that have successfully traversed that way and know they can do it. So it, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's it's going to be some work, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that are supportive. But you know, you have those people that are not. But what you do, if you just work around those people, you know that that doesn't oh, yeah. stop the show. Because somebody doesn't oh, like no, it. No, you no, 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 no. Keep no. moving. Mm-hmm. Keep moving, and, and eventually, and they'll and eventually they'll come around and see value in what you're doing and realize that it's not about them. It's about the students. And that's the reason, that's the whole reason you're there um, in the first place. So, yeah, but that's awesome because being an African-American young man going through the school system, 
I only, and this is the question we always ask, how many teachers did you see that looked like you? And right. for me, mm-hmm. and, and, and for me, you know, when we got to, you know, high school, well, I had, ironically, the brother Kahari Anahara. He was my uh, middle school teacher at Buckeye Middle School. And then the other ones weren't until I got to high school and they were coaches. You know, you had um, yeah. Coach Carter, you had Coach Spencer, you know, you had Coach Hunt. But they weren't really in the classroom because, you know, most of them taught, you know, art or or, or gym. But to have a educator as a as a math teacher or a science teacher, a STEM teacher, no, I didn't I didn't see any of that until I attended uh Central State University. And that was the mm-hmm. reason that made me go to Central State is when I got on campus I saw individuals that looked like me. I saw individuals that shared the same social economic background with me, that had the same you know, history as me. And that's what made me go to the campus was the finally being able to, quote, unquote, fit in with, you know, my people. And so I, I understand what, what what you guys are saying and what you're doing if you have to go to a predominantly white institution because I have friends that went there and, you know, they got through, but they they did not have the pleasant experience like I had being mm-hmm. on a campus with individuals with the same historic background like me, with the same goals, facing the same problems. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, attending something, called, something called racial battle fatigue, right? So racial battle fatigue is dealing with, you know, um, psychological um, experiences of of racial inequity, racial unrest, different things. And it presents um, psychologically or physiologically, right, stress behaviors for your body. So sometimes going, being the only person of color in a class that's predominantly white and maybe conversations are going in in such a way that rubbing you one way, but, you know, you don't want Mm -hmm. to say it because you're the only one. There's power dynamics. Those things can cause it can cause students to become sick. It can cause headaches. Um, racial battle fatigue is a lot. Sometimes you can um, either rebound from it and do well, but sometimes you don't because of that continuous pressure. And, and going to an HBCU myself for my bachelor's degree, Wilberforce University, compared to my other experiences in, in predominantly white institutions, you you feel the differences, like you're saying. Um, um, unless yeah. you have, I did have, not until my master's degree did I have a white professor that I felt really did try to make me feel welcome and connected. And, and seeing, having that experience was like, okay, this is what education should be if you have, it, you shouldn't have to have um, somebody who's of the same race for you for you to feel like you connect to that institution. But unfortunately, yes. that is the experience of too many um, 
students of color, African-American, Black, Latinx, um, Asian students. And so that's why we really have to work in a, on a couple fronts to continually try to diversify the faculty and to make sure until uh, it becomes more, even when it is more diversified, we have to make sure that curriculum reflects the students who go there, the students who live in the community, the people who live in the community. So it feels like anybody who goes to that institution is welcome. They can learn without that extra mental stress um, yes. that comes with being a minority in a predominantly white space. Yeah, and that's great, right? And that's the thing. Being able to feel comfortable and have that stress off because we already have so many pressures, stress, trauma that go on our life as being African-American and indigenous people of color that going to pursue higher education, those things should not hold you back or interfere with your daily life and your studying and your advancement. So that that part right there, just having an individual in a comfortable space where their mind is free, where they can learn without all the, you know, have to worry about does does the professor really like me? Does the professor even mm-hmm. care if I get this information? You know, that that being being considered a person and being considered that you know, I'm teaching this, teaching you this, so you can advance, and and not just I'm teaching you this because I have to be here. I, I don't care what yeah. you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, and also yeah. it it would help too when um, we as as the professor make sure that we are allowing students to be a participant in their own learning. So sometimes that means mm-hmm. asking questions and seeing what students are thinking or experiencing or allowing them to, uh, so, you know, obviously we have plans for our semesters or our quarters, whatever you're on, but there's room to be creative and allow students to pick some things, right? Some pick some things maybe from their heritage or, or, or maybe not be as simple as making sure we're diversifying how we're doing a test. Not they shouldn't be all essay because maybe some students learn different ways. So diversifying how we're um, giving tests to yes. testing, teaching methods, especially standard yes. testing, is is very um, white centric. And so if you <laughs> diversify that, if you think about how all different ways other cultures live, and where it's not just that white Western um, way, we could help a lot yes. more students. Successful. Yes. Oh, yeah. We, we we know that those tests are um, extremely biased. We're just gonna <laughs> leave it like that. I was talking to some educators today, and um, brother Mr. Johnson, and we was talking about the test. How is this uh, inequitable? How is so not fair? But that's some things that we need to change. And back to what you were saying about, you know, teaching methods and teaching skills, um, making the classes more interactive where it's not just I'm teaching you this and you take it, you take it, and you can't ask any questions, but making it 
interactive and making the students feel, you know, the lesson or the topic. And when you make it more interactive where they're able to express their their feelings on how they're interpreting the information, that will allow, you know, some of those social or, or racial um, ideas to be able to be expressed. Because, like you say, a white guy, an Indian guy, an Af- African-American guy can get the same information, but they look at it differently and they take it in and process it totally different and come out with a totally different result. But on the paper, on the test, like like we're talking about the test, the answer may be just the white guy's point of view and not take into mm-hmm. account the two other uh, communities that are being represented right there. So the information can be, you know, taken in one way but delivered another way. So and that mm-hmm. is something that we do have to take into account because a lot of times – that's where the barriers come in. Your life experience on that subject makes you look at it totally different. So you you have to have educators that are versed in your background and not just one particular community because we know the world is a melting pot more than it has been at any time, and we have to take into account everybody's culture, everybody's type of learning, because everybody doesn't learn the same way. But like you were saying, make yeah, an individual feel active. comfortable. Say yeah. again? Making our classrooms active and it's called active and collaborative learning, right? So we're not just, okay. you know, preaching to them, right? We're, we're See, that's why I got you on here. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I got you on here for the, for the big words. <laughs> Activities that get everybody engaged, right? So we're having students because yes. sometimes even students learn better from one another than they do from us, right? Peer, their peer, yes, their age group, their different things. So if we make sure that some of our activities are active and collaborative, where they have to talk with each other, they have to work with each other, um, they have to sometimes flip the classroom where they're teaching. They're, you know, so I give them assignment, yes. and then they have to teach the class something about something they want to do. And actually, we as educators can learn a lot about other cultures, other life experiences, other perspectives by making sure some of our activities um, are done by students and having that active and collaborative, that participation. So students can really dismantle some racial ideas that they have about somebody just from being in the class. So if they've never, you know, we have people from certain areas. If there's a a black person that didn't go to school with white people or a white person that didn't go to to high school with black people, then they come in our classrooms and they have these ideas of who these different cultures are, and then they have have to work together and do some activities or they're, we flip the classroom and they're teaching on something that's important to them, that helps somebody to learn and say, oh, wait, I thought people with beards were like this, but no, I see this person <laughs> in a different light. So that learning happens during some active and collaborative. You see I'm getting excited about this because I think it's so important to learn yeah. from students just learn from us. We can learn from them and they learn from each other. 
But if you don't engage students and, and just talk to them, if we're only lecturing, we are losing out on, the, on how much we could learn from our students, not just how yes, much they can learn from each other. Yes, ma'am. And see, that's me. I'm an active learner. I'm not one to just sit and read the book the whole time. I've got to be able to be able to touch it and move it and feel it for me to process it like that. Just looking and reading out of reading out of a book that really doesn't that that doesn't get it for me. That doesn't get it to sink in for me. But you know, if something's more active and we get to talk it out and you know I can like touch it type situation, that does so mm-hmm. much more for me. So. Just sitting there and just blah 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 blah. I get bored. <laughs> so yeah, right, that active right. learning is is just those different teaching skills are just you know so awesome and so more effective. So um, let's hold on one minute for me, please, ma'am. We're in you're in the barber zone with your man Chavez moment right here on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com slash Barberzone, or hit us up at barberzoneradio.com. You know what it is. But now, got something new for you. You can now listen to In the Barberzone on your favorite podcast platforms. Yeah, just holler at your, you know, your Google or, or your Siri or whoever you talk to on your device, whatever you name it. Talk to it and just search and say, play In the Barberzone podcast. And it'll come up, and you can listen to shows like this or some of our previous shows. Just, you know, tap in and get in the barber zone with your man, Chavez. So we are here. It's, what, 9.50. So we got about 10 more minutes left. Unless, like, you know, we're doing the barber zone, we got overtime. We go past it. The conversation is so good. You know how when you in church and church is supposed to let out at a certain time, but the spirit's just going so high that you look up and you don't get out of church at 2.30, that's how it is in the barber zone sometimes. We're not going to be here at 2.30, but we'll take a little extra time. Um, if the sister has time, if not, you know, we'll end the show and we'll keep it talking. But the number, 914-205-5374. If you want to call in and you want to ask any questions or you want to share your experience as an educator or if you're, you know, a college level, if you're at a at a at a um, institution right now, and you like to share your experience, this is your time. Nine one four two zero five five three seven four. I've got the sister Royce Carpenter here from Columbus State Community College, and we're we've been talking for the last forty five fifty minutes about the racial inequities in higher learning. You know, on the college level, you know, how you get out of school, you've been in one type of school, now you have to go to a predominantly white university. And that's where it usually happens for black people or people of color. You go to this this predominantly white university where you've gone to a high school that's in your community and you've been around people that look like you and think like you all your life. And now you have to go to a predominantly white university, maybe in a different area of the country. And now you have, I know it's a, a, a more um, a more educated word than culture shock. You come and you have culture shock. So now you're living, interacting with people that don't look like you, that you've never been around in your life. 
And now you have to come together with those individuals and be able to learn, to be able to have yourself mentally prepared to go to class every day, to receive the information from an individual that doesn't look like you. Maybe hardly even speaks the language, but you're in this class. So what are you supposed to do? Where do you turn? How do you get through that? So those are some of the things that we've been talking about is the the, the playing field and higher education. So I see we have an individual who's been on the phone the whole time. I mean, been on uh, listening the whole time, uh, and they like to say something, probably finally press the one. Thank you. And the way we do it here in the Barber Zone is I'm going to call out your area code and your first three numbers. I'm not going to give out your whole number. I don't want to give the world your, your information. So coming from the 216 up in the Cleveland area, 216-323, who do we have in the Barber Zone with us this evening? Hello, my name is Bernita Wittenberg. How are you? How are you? Welcome to the Barber Zone. How are you? I am fine, dear. Um, I'm calling because uh, I am, well, I live in Cleveland, but I found okay. out about the Royce restaurant, okay, through <laughs> a college friend of mine. So, hi, Royce Carpenter. <laughs> Hello, Miss Bernita. Okay, hi. But I just wanted to share that I am really enjo- enjoying your show, and I am 62 years old, okay? Um, I graduated from John Adams High School, all black, here in Cleveland in yes, 1976. Ma'am. And then I chose to attend Capital University, okay? So yes. you know what Capital University <laughs> is and how it is now. So imagine 40 years ago, okay? Imagine yes, that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I, I can but, only but imagine. Can, yes, but oh. let me say this. It was wonderful. I enjoyed it, okay? Even coming from a black neighborhood, a black school, I chose Capital because I wanted to go somewhere where all my friends were not going. Okay, so okay. the majority majority of them went to Ohio University or, you know, uh, maybe a few to Ohio State, but I loved it. And one thing that really helped me, Les Brown, okay? Oh, he my God. was yes. a big thing. I'm that old. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, so ma'am. Les Brown, <laughs> yes, Les, Les Brown kept me grounded. He kept everything wonderful, okay? So, and then church, you know, I heard you talking about the special on uh, WBIZ. Uh, Church was very important, and um, I attended Gospel Tabernacle. It's on Hildreth Avenue still. So I stayed involved with church. I kept listening to Les Brown, and I loved it. And I graduated in 1980. Yeah. That is so awesome. I mean, it's possible. Yes. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Right. Right. Right there in Bexley. That. That. That's actually you know right in in the neighborhood where my daughter went. She went to Columbus School for Girls right down the street from right. Capitol. Uh Yeah. Right. And, and and here's the funny thing. Uh, good brother Les Brown is my my brother's godfather. <laughs> yes, sir. Really? Yep. Okay. Yes. 
he is okay. he he's he's my okay. he's my brother. Yes. You know, okay. a lot of connection okay. with, 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 with with brother Les. So yes, ma'am. But that's awesome that okay. you came from that now, okay, you said you loved it. What what yes. what made you what, what about, about Capital Yeah, what about Capital made you love it? Coming from Cleveland, okay. I know okay. individuals that okay. went to your high school. What made you love okay. it? Okay, well, okay, I am a Leo, and I mean, I'm not really into astrology, but I do, like, believe in it a little bit, okay? And so (laughs) I always like the finer things of life, always like the finer things, okay? So Mm -hmm. I went to Capitol Sight Unseen when my guidance counselor told me this school is in the wealthiest suburb in Columbus, sexually, I said, I want to go there. (laughs) Wow. Oh, yeah? Chauffeurs would pick me up and take me yes, to ma'am. the mansions to babysit little white children. I loved it. Okay? Yes. So <laughs> I was ready for that lifestyle and I loved it. <laughs> so so you so, chose it because you chose it because it was a change of culture and it was something coming from a black neighborhood in Cleveland that you always yes. wanted to be a part of. Okay. Yes. That, and, well, I mean, not, not awesome. so much a part of, but just experience that life. And my daughter, yes. I mean, my grand, my granddaughter, she's 23. She just graduated last year from Central State. Okay? You're alma mater, right? Yes, so ma'am. All right. Like, yes, she was hell-bent on Central State. You couldn't deter <laughs> her, and she loved it. She loved it. She said, Granny, I hate I had to graduate. She loved it. You know, and so I tried to get her to go to Capitol. I took her there, but she wanted no parts (laughs) of it. (laughs) Hey, uh, yes, ma'am. That's awesome. And and if you heard the sister Royce, she's a graduate of Wilberforce right across the street. So we are, you know, me and her, we we are part of the Route 42 family, the Route 42 HBCU family. (laughs) You got you, you okay, got two well, little you got yep well, two I'm little sort of schools in the middle of Ohio. Karen, okay, well I sort of hate that I did not attend the HBCU, but I guess <laughs> I kind of followed in my sister's footsteps because she graduated from Ohio Wesleyan. Okay, so I okay. would visit her and I loved it there. So I wasn't yep. afraid to go to a white university because let me tell you something. Yeah. One thing about children who attend HBCU, a lot, see, it's one thing to work with a white person, but you need to live with them as well. And when you live with them on a college campus, you learn so much more about them than just working with them every day. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. But see, and, and, yeah. and, here, and people, so I, people used to say that about, about central state, Y'all live, y'all, mm-hmm. y'all live amongst yourselves with black people, but one thing they didn't know and didn't experience okay. is anything outside of campus. It was all right. Uh-huh. When we went to the right. grocery store, when we went to the mm-hmm. post office, mm-hmm. when, when we moved mm-hmm. off campus, we lived in Xenia, Ohio. Right. Like, like right. when, when me and my, me and my roommates, we lived on Canard Street in the middle of Xenia. We were the only black. We were the only black house in the whole neighborhood. So okay, that okay. came, you know, so that came had, with some, but 
But the thing was, I, that we, was you know, we, yeah. And so, yeah. you here in Columbus, I know it was right. it was racist back then, but being right. in Xenia, Ohio, middle of Klan mm-hmm. country, mm-hmm. where where you right. woke up in the morning sometimes, and and mm-hmm. we had the words "niggers go home" sprayed on campus. So mm-hmm. yeah, we uh-huh. we we had to okay. interact with white people on the day to day. So uh-huh. yeah, it, right. it, it was kind of a a balance. So, but yeah, uh-huh. it was all it was all a great experience. I loved going right. to an HBCU and having to experience life with my people, but being able to experience life dealing with white folks on that level with my people. Right. Right. That was the thing about right. it. Well, I was with my my people when when we went through that type of stuff. So yes, okay. we did have some social unrest. We had some social unrest a few times, but for the most part, mm-hmm. hey, I loved every minute of it. And it sounded like you loved every minute of it also because you got because you got out of your, you got me. out of your experience what you wanted. Right. That's what that you wanted. That was a chance yeah. for me to experience another life. And not yes. just black life every day, every day. And I loved yes. it. It was great. Yes. Yeah. So and that's, and and that, and that's what love, it's about. <laughs> yeah. But it works for some people and some people, you know, it won't work for it. But I'm enjoying yes, your conversation. Ma'am. Thank you. What's your name there? My name is Chavez. Chavez Bowman. Chavez Bowman. Okay. Well, nice meeting oh, you. Yes. And thank you, Royce Carpenter. <laughs> yes, yes. You're welcome. Welcome, All right. okay. Yes, and thank you, you for being dear. in the barber zone with us tonight. So, you guys, it is thank 10 you. o'clock. Yes. I thank you. Mm-hmm. I thank you, Sister Royce, for taking your time out and sharing that information with us. Before we get off, uh, there's like one more thing you would like to say to send us off with before we end the show. I just want to say um, keep doing the good work that you're doing, getting the this kind of information out um, and for everybody to do like Mr. John Lewis told us to do and keep getting into good trouble. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I thank you, you guys. This is the end of In the Barber Zone with your man Chavez for this episode right here. I thank you. Thank you, sister, for taking your time and blessing us with that information. And anybody else who's listening, thank you for taking the time. Be sure to go to BarberZoneRadio.com, become a friend of the show so you get the updates, and we'll be back here next week. And, you know, stay updated so you know what that topic is. And I believe, uh, uh, Sister Carpenter, I'm going to get in touch with your people, and we can do that black excellence if you guys would like. So, y'all, stay in the Barber Zone and come get your head right next week. Y'all, stay safe, wear your mask. Get to six feet, you know, we're gonna get through this COVID thing, but like like this thing we talked about, this inequities and higher education. We gotta get through it together. And y'all, stay in the barber zone, have a great night. Thank you. Until the next week, we're out of here.